4: All right, and we are live with uh, with the Roundtable crew here on this beautiful Thursday. We've got our special guest, Nick Whalen. He's in the corner here. I'm really bad at the pointing thing. Right there in the corner, we've got him on. He's uh, jumping on to talk a little bit of rookies and Debbie with us today. Nick, how you doing? Thank you for jumping on with us.
3: Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I don't know about, you know, in Texas for you, Matt, but here in Madison, it's pretty overcast. We've had some rain. It's, you know... You never know what's going to happen in Wisconsin. We always say that, but it literally was snowing on Sunday, and then it's supposed to be like seventy this weekend. So, and it's May. So, who knows?
4: Yeah, we don't get it quite that bad here. The worst we get is it's like forty one day, and it jumps up to ninety eight the next day. We don't really <laughs> get the snow and everything, so we're I, we just got to deal with the incredibly horrible heat here. Dennis, Matt, how you guys doing?
2: I'm having a great day. I took a vacation day. I've been chilling at home, helping the kids with homework, spending a little time in my garage, cleaning it out. So.
1: And I was on whatever the opposite of a vacation day is. (laughs) (laughs) But. uh, Go ahead, Matt. It's not too bad here. Uh, Just there's apparently now a chance for severe thunderstorms uh, this afternoon and tomorrow, which my least favorite weather feature of being close to the rockies is the, the devastating hail
4: so oh. yeah that we, we had a pretty bad hailstorm th- flow through here like 2 weeks ago destroyed my car i was not very happy about that dennis you getting uh, the podcast studio set up is that what you're doing with the garage
2: yeah i'm cl- making the space I'm making the space um,
4: i like it all right so as i mentioned we were joined here by nick whalen you guys can follow him at underscore nick whalen he's the creator of the debbie report and the graduates uh he's one of the three members on the film nerds team that does uh their film stuff film breakdown on wednesdays every uh, almost every wednesday with the dynasty nerds is awesome to watch on twitch him jared Wackerly, and garrett price break down film on college players and discuss fa- uh, future fantasy relevance everything it's it's really awesome Nick, we really do appreciate you taking some time to jump on with us here. How did you get into to fantasy football, and how long have you been playing? Just kind of give us your background altogether.
3: Yeah, um, that's going to take a little time if, if you have it. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I guess the, <laughs> the, the best way to describe it is when people – on yeah, there you go. Yeah, it would be like a little, a little bedtime story there, Dennis. <laughs> is, you know, kids on Saturday mornings growing up, they watch, like, cartoons, you know, or, you know, who knows? I watched a little bit of Jimmy Houston Outdoors, you know, like fishing and hunting and stuff. But a lot of the time I watched taped NFL drafts. And I was, that's from like age like six until whenever. I just loved the draft, loved everything about it. And that got me going into coaching, uh, which got me into knowing a little bit more in terms of what's going on, in terms of watching film study. And, um, you know, I've been playing fantasy football for I'd say 20 years I was commissioning a league while I was in high school. Um, my first Debbie pick I think was like DeMarco Murray. So, you know, wow. I've, I've been, I've been at this for a while. Um, and uh, in terms of writing, I got into it because the, you know, I, I liked playing as much as, you know, fantasy football. And I used the, the film stuff to really kind of cheat. Like, I feel like I had, like this advantage of like watching guys. And um, the first time I realized that i might be good at this is the 2008 uh draft that rookie class that was like jonathan stewart mcfadden um you know chris johnson they had mendenhall like all those great guys and uh it was my first dynasty league and i had the fourth pick and it went like i don't know mcfadden jonathan stewart mendenhall you know chalk and I had the fourth pick and everyone thought I was going to get Chris Johnson or Felix Jones. And this is bef- that my draft is before the NFL draft. So you just go off of like the combine or whatever. And I took Matt Forte and everyone like, you know, they like, oh, you're new. You don't know what you're doing. You're an idiot. You know, all this kind of stuff. And then that one worked out pretty well. And then I had the next pick, the fifth pick. And they thought I'd take Johnson or Felix Jones there. I took Jamal Charles and both of them worked out. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should stay with this. So I kind of went from there and. Ryan McDowell found me, you know, on a message board at football guys. And, you know, got me a DLF and it's been, you know, all downhill since.
4: Very nice. Very nice. So tell us about, I mentioned at the beginning here, the day, Oh, I'm sorry. I always skip ahead. I'm very bad about that. What, uh, who is your favorite team and player?
3: Uh, I'm a bears fan, a bears fan miserably in Wisconsin. Um, it's just, it's the worst. I, my, my hate runs so deep, Matt, that I, want the Packers to lose more than I want the Bears to win. So that's how it is. I man.
4: understand. Uh, not quite a rival for me, but me living here in Texas and dealing with Cowboys fans all the time, <laughs> like I, I hope for that every Sunday. I don't even care if the Browns get blown out by the Steelers or Ravens. I want the Cowboys to just get decimated. That is my my goal and hope in life every Sunday. So I understand that a little bit. There. Uh, do you have a favorite player? I see the Erickson jersey behind there. You were telling us a little bit off air about it. What? Why do you have the signed Erickson jersey there in your background?
3: Yeah. So I I coach football. I did. You know, I get my my college coaching background, and then I transitioned that into high school. And um, I actually coached Alex in high school. Um, he was he's a superstar. I, I was I was that big in his, terms of his scale and trajectory, but uh, he's such a good kid, and I'm so. You always feel good when when someone works hard and they see the benefit, and they you know and they do well. And he's one of those people. So yeah, I, I share for him. Kind of my favorite teams, you know, besides the Bears, are, are places that I've coached, people I've coached with, or you know, players that I know. That's that's kind of generally my favorites outside of my two like Debbie Debbie report. Like I was first on guys would be Corey Davis and Cortland Sutton. Those are kind of gotcha. two of my favorites.
4: Oh, he's a big fan of Cortland Sutton right down there.
3: <laughs> yeah. It, it was kind of funny because um, I was on him after his redshirt freshman year. So he was, you know, didn't he transition from safety to receiver and had like 800 or some yards? And, you know, not a lot of people were talking about him. And I was just annoyingly always talking about him that he followed me on Twitter. So me and him have kind of talked a little bit. And it's like, and now he's, you know, turned into this. I'm just, I'm really happy for him.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely a superstar. I think the closest I've had is I went to high school with Lance Dunbar. That's about all I've got. So you've got you've got quite the leg up on all of those there.
0: <laughs> that's you know, so not, cool, though.
4: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know him. I didn't play football at all. So I just see there's Lance Dunbar. And I can say I went to high school with him. But that's <laughs> about all I got. Uh, so tell us about the, the graduates and the Devry Report. Uh, obviously, the three of us know about it. it. It's a really cool thing. You also have a thing called the Championship Bundle, which I, I think you're just giving away free money at that point. But, I mean, it, that that's all you, bro. So tell tell us about that, though, because it's pretty cool what you're doing with those.
3: Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so the Devry Report, I think this is, and I always get this wrong, sixth or seventh year I've been doing that. And that just started with me doing too much analysis for a Devry League. and matt caraccio who's part of saturday to sunday football podcast was a friend and a colleague at dlf at the time he's like man you should just make something and so i'm like i don't know and and i'm a i'm not a good writer that's the thing like in, in if i told my english high school teachers that now i write and make something that people pay for they would just be shocked i like what this doesn't make sense um so yeah the first one i think was like 94 pages and then you know, you always like have this fear of missing out on people. So it's just constantly gotten bigger and it's like 150 pages. But so the Debbie report is my strength is film based studies, but it's player profiles watching film for uh, players that are not eligible to go into the draft or or they didn't declare. So, you know, incoming freshmen, so i watch high school tape, which is crazy. Uh, all the way to guys that didn't declare freshman, sophomore, junior. And every year I rewatch film, I get new profiles on all these guys. So, that's what that is. And then someone's like, Nick, why don't you do something for the NFL draft? And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Because I've like followed these guys, you know, high school, freshman, sophomore. Like, why do I not like do something for like, hey, and like let them go into the NFL. So that's what the graduates is. And then the third one, which is part of that championship bundle you said is uh, Dynasty Startup. And uh, I think one of the things that we don't talk enough about in our industry is, is draft strategy philosophy, how you need to think, what you need to prepare for prior to, during and after your startup drafts to just set you up well to succeed. And so I'm currently in in the, you know, writing that up. Um, and basically it's it, that's the thing is when you do this, it's literally all of my tips and tricks for how I rank players, how I think about players, and people use it against me, but you know, whatever. I, I would right. rather help more people than succeed myself, honestly.
2: Yeah. One of the questions I frequently get are Things like, well, do you put out misinformation because people in your leagues follow you? And I'm like, no, I I, I don't. I I can't keep that stuff straight. My information is what it is. My opinions are what my opinions are. And if you're in a draft with me and you know I like a guy and you're going to go past me, you want to jump ahead of me and take that guy earlier than even I do? Well, that means somebody else has fallen to me. If you think that I only have one guy that I'm going to take or one guy that I like, then you've, you've clearly underestimated my approach to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Just because you snipe me on a player doesn't mean I don't like other players. Mm-hmm. So put your good information out. Let them let them have it too.
4: Yeah, no, one
1: ever, on. no one ever gets sniped here, especially yeah. Matt.
4: no, no, not like assholes who trade up and take Isaiah Hodgins from you in a, in a sixteen team draft. You know, nobody <laughs> does stuff like that. <laughs> Uh Matt, I know you uh, are new to the Debbie kind of talk here. Was there something that you wanted to add? You you had mentioned you had some questions you wanted to ask, Nick, about Debbie drafts and everything.
1: Yeah, because, uh, you know, I, I agreed to do our listener league and all of a sudden I got thrust into a format that I've <laughs> never played before, which sadly we've already had to draft. So we should have had this podcast a month and a half ago. But – um so I thought I would ask you, what do you like uh, about the Debbie format? What makes it special and why should somebody look to kind of take the leap into that format?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, you have, you have redraft, right? And, th- and that's, that's home. That's safe for, you want to think of the majority of people that play fantasy Probably not people that listen to your podcast here, but, you know, you know, it's 80 percent of people that play or, you know, maybe a redraft, maybe it's 70, something like that. And then you have like your keeper, you know, is a little bit, a little bit more safe. And then you have Dynasty, which is the majority of leagues that I and people, you know, are Dynasty Twitter, you know, we, we talk about or people that listen to y'all. Um, but then Debbie's the next level of that, because I think it really separates good and bad fantasy football owners. Because you have so much more control, but there's also so much more risk, which makes it so much more fun. So, if you're a good team and you play Dynasty, you get what the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, depending on your league pick, every year. And you're hoping you can dig somebody out that's going to be good enough to get into your lineups. And bad teams, they get you know a top player and they hope they pan out and maybe they'll flip, you know. But when you're in Devi, you could still get a superstar at the end of a first round, which you can't get in a rookie draft, or you could, but it's rare. Um, but it depends how much risk you take. Because, you know, there's, I mean, I know in one draft, I had the 14th pick and and I picked uh, Darius Geis. And, you know, that one worked out. You have to wait, you know, but there's also risk with that. You could take a guy that's a, I mean, a freshman. Did that work out, out though? Did, yeah. did Geis work out though? Like he, the value of it worked still, out. He's still hopeful. <laughs> the value of it worked out. How about that? So, that's the part that's fun and then also if you're a bad team you'll get generally a top rookie draft pick and then a top debbie draft pick so I think you can kind of rebuild a little bit more quickly um but but it's it it makes college football more entertaining for you I think it's just a a next level of everything fantasy football and it, it just it just makes you get more involved and you know, I have guides that are geared towards that, but there's a lot of people that other stuff, and it gets you. So, so, Matt, I mean, you are brand new to it, right? Yeah. Are you following college football a little bit more now than you did previously?
1: Well, I will. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> although I, my, my biggest uh, challenge is my wife told me I can pick one day to watch football all day. It could be Saturday or Sunday, but not both. So, you know, have to try to balance that out. You just just games.
3: yeah there you go yeah take games from saturday watch them on sunday in between breaks or early well, or she, late.
1: she may relax her feeling that, you know we're going into an unprecedented fall where we're not likely to have any shows or movies so she may yeah. be like i get it just watch all your football and yeah. so i'll be like 10 days a week watching oh. so i guess my my other question as somebody kind of going into it that's new is what are you know maybe a common mistake or something that people make going in uh, that would be best avoided
3: yeah there's, there's quite a few that i've learned over the years and um and this is a little bit going to that dynasty startup i was talking about where you really have to understand and learn the owners that are in your leagues because i'm in some debbie leagues where i stockpile so many debbie picks and i value those picks more than anybody else and there's other ones where i don't draft debbie players often i trade the picks away because they value them way too much when you're when you're further away from the NFL, it's more risk, you know, because you don't get the NFL draft as you know that that's another you know uh, benchmark. You have junior season, sophomore season, freshman season, you know, combine. All those things are just checking off boxes, like oh yep, okay, this guy's good, and all these things prove that. And the biggest mistake I think is so many Devi owners think all of these guys are going to hit. We already have the rookie fever. Right. You know, right. All, all these guys. Are, so many of them think all these Devi guys are going to hit and they're not. I've been in this so long. I've been humbled so many times. Guys, I think are <laughs> going to be awesome. Like Trent Irwin from Stanford. Oh, I love Trent Irwin coming out of high school. And that guy just did not do it. And every year, you know, I redo my report. I watch them like, man, but that high school tape, you know, and, uh, and it doesn't work out, you know, and but that that's how it works. And there's just so much more risk. So you have to know that they're all not going to hit. And There's a lot more risk involved, so don't value them as, as highly. And then there's other things too. We're like, you know, we look at stats for NFL players, and we're like, you know, that's just kind of a bad defense. But you have to worry and watch the stats for some guys in college football because they could play guys that are literally in divisions down from them. And it's like, well, that's a that's a big cupcake that you're playing. Um, and and we have we have some other things I think that are tells. I think people rely too much on recruiting rankings. You know, we hear about it now, right? The, you know, this guy going to the NFL. Yeah, but he was a five-star prospect out of high school. That's four years ago. Who cares? I care more about the data points that are after that than when he's 17 years old. You know, so those are some things I think to kind of keep in mind. I
1: hope nobody's looking at my data from when I was 17.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
4: So before we get into the talking about the 2019 rookie class, I do want to ask some uh, Debbie questions of you. It's not often we get to talk Debbie on here, so I get kind of excited when we get a chance to yeah. do it. And, and Trey Lance has really kind of become the bell of the ball here here as of late. He's really gotten a lot of hype. I'm going to shout out uh, Kane Fossil because he was the first that I saw talking about him. Uh, over there at DLF, and a lot of other people have kind of jumped on that train and really started talking about Trey Lance. Uh, What have you seen uh, from him, the quarterback out of North Dakota State? Not a lot of people knew about him really up until about, I would say, a month ago. What are your thoughts on him moving into the 2021 uh, class if we have a, obviously, 2020 college football season?
3: right um and I'm, I'm kind of worried about that that's it's just so weird what could and could not happen and i know we don't want to speculate but i, I had to go to the hospital today to get a um an injection of in my foot because i run and you know everyone's in masks it's just like the weirdest thing i mean it's just yeah. you feel like you're in a movie you know but As
1: somebody who lived in california for many years anytime something that you care about is in the hands of gavin newsom you should be afraid
3: <laughs> um well, I think the first thing I want to talk about with Trey Lance um, is uh, is bias. So I was already – I was, you know, I watched a little bit, and I was like, ah, you know, this is just – people love being first on someone in the hype train. And then I, I dug deeper into him and realized I was wrong. Uh, I think he's legit. Um, you know, North Dakota State's a crazy good program. I mean, crazy good. I mean, people want to talk about Alabama and how good they are. I mean, North Dakota State's one, I think, seven out of the last eight or eight out of the last nine – national titles at their level bama is not even close to that so you need to realize that they're like this titan and he has a better line better weapons better running everything than everybody else but he's good size he's a good athlete and i was really impressed with his arm strength i think he has good deep ball placement i think it's a catchable deep ball which is trouble for a lot of players and i've seen him make multiple reads you know i'll see him look at safety off and come back to the other seam, which you don't see a lot from college quarterbacks uh so you know from the little film that i've watched him i've been impressed i think that the hype's real um okay. i think there's things he needs to improve on and, and there's other things where people are excited about like they'll say he had 42 touchdowns and zero interceptions he had 28 passing touchdowns and 14 rushing touchdowns like you you, you have to really check the stats sometimes right And he had a thousand rushing yards. Yeah, sure. Easton Stick had a ton of rushing yards, too. That's the offense. So you have to take some of it with context, but I think he's a good player. He has potential.
2: Don't crap on my guy, Easton Stick, man. (laughs) Too too, too late. QB3 for the Chargers. Too
4: late. No kidding. Uh, let's see here. What else did I want to talk about? Uh, Kylan Hill and KJ Costello. Obviously Kylan Hill was already with Mississippi state. We see KJ Costello is coming over there this year with Mike Leach. It's obviously the big air raid offense. Everybody's going to be talking about what do you think those two could do again in a new offense this year? And how could it improve their draft stock? KJ Costello has really kind of been talked out way below those, uh, Lance, fields uh lawrence some of these other guys coming out next year brock purdy even they're talking about him below them could costello boost his stock up going into an air raid offense and putting up what's going to look look like as you just pointed out a lot of stats he's going to put up a lot of yards passing touchdowns likely but do you think he has the game to possibly transition into the nfl level
3: yeah i'm actually going to do a quick side story if you guys are okay with it um so i wanted to get into college football right and i'm you know a nobody from a small town, you know, nothing in Wisconsin. And um, my freshman year of college, you know, I, I decided I wanted to get into coaching. And so I wrote every division one coach an email. I'm just in my dorm room, just type like Google in. Okay. Here's all the emails and you know, send them all out. And, uh, and a bunch of them just reply back just with advice, you know, not like they're like friends, or whatever. Mike Leach was one of them. He emailed me back and just gave me, you know, like two little paragraphs on advice in and coaching. And, and, and I was like, Oh man, like, and he didn't have to do that, you know, and, right. and I think the more people that you talk to that are interactive with him, he's a different cat, but I think he's really smart, innovative, and it's going to be fun to see him in that offense in the sec, because we've yeah. seen it work, you know, in the big 12, we've seen it work in the Pac 12. And now let's see what happens when he'll get better recruits and he'll get some better things going there. Um, and, and you want to talk about one, you know, KJ Costello, I mean, size, Arm strength are there. At times, he's shown that accuracy. Other times, I see him staring down that read, and that and that's my biggest concern with him. Because when you want to look at Mike Leach's offense, you know you want to look at Gardner, you know, and Gordon, you know, they look at multiple reads and they have some pretty good accuracy. They don't have the arm strength near the arm strength Costello has, but. They they can look off you know some players and make some good reads and that's the thing the game he needs to make to take to go to the next level and if he does that I think he's for sure a prospect you know he's a guy to, to think about I don't know if he's a first round guy but I think he could be a day two guy and develop into that uh, Kylan Hill you know you look at Kylan Hill he can catch the football and you're like oh he's Max Borgie, right he's going to catch all these receptions there um, I, I just don't like his game as much for the NFL. He has a really short gait. I think he is—he has, you know, explosiveness in terms of, you know, he jumps over guys at times. He'll sidestep. He has these little explosive movements. But he has nothing after that. If if you want to like picture it, think of like a David Montgomery light. Which to me, I want no part of that because there's a lot of running backs in the NFL, and it takes a very good running back to be a fantasy difference maker. And I don't think Kyler Hill can do that.
2: Yeah, I don't think you wanted any part of David
3: Montgomery heavy. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I still don't. As a Bears fan, I still don't.
4: Uh, I love some Jamar Jefferson. He's a guy that obviously broke out his rookie year for Oregon State on a on a horrible team. Play, had a decent year, not a great year last year. The injury, I thought, was a big factor in that. Where do you see him coming into a 2021 RB class that is considered at least very top-heavy with ETN, Najee, Harris? Some people like Borgie. There's someone I'm forgetting now off the top of my Shuba. head. And I can't remember who it Shuba is. Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, Obviously, as well, where obviously Jefferson's not on their level, but he's a guy that I really like. Think he's getting extremely underrated. Where do you see him?
3: Are are you an Oregon State fan? I mean, that that's two Oregon State guys we're going to talk about. After Hopkins,
4: I am a closet Pac-12 fan. That's that's my.
3: I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you want to talk about you know going back to Matt's original question of Devi. Um, the Pac 12 gets less love than other ones because of time and when, where they're at. And so that's one area I think that sometimes you can get some sleepers in. Um, I just don't think Jamar Jefferson is going to be a big one of them. Um, okay. He's a smooth player. Um, I don't think he's got a terrible game. I just don't know that there's enough. And, and I always come back to that. You know, I think that we spend so much time, you know, churning and looking for, you know, um, the, these, you know, third, fourth, fifth-tier running backs. And even if they hit, what do you even get? You get a couple games, maybe, you know? You know, the, you get, um, you know, people were excited about Chase Edmonds, you know? Oh, man, found Chase. what does he get you in fantasy? Not much, you know? And so I I think it's something to always think about. And that's, a, I think people can overrate that. Sorry, that's a tangent. But um, I think he can catch the ball. He's smooth. Um, he's probably a committee guy. You're talking about, yeah, in a, in a down class? Uh, where he could be ranked, I think right now, I mean, I think seven or eight is fine. He was injured a little bit last year, as we know, a couple of different injuries. Same with, with Costello, too, uh, getting banged up, um, which makes them underrated. But you want more explosiveness from his game. Um, you know, in a way, he's almost like a a light, light version of like a Matt Forte. It's kind of how he just kind of moves and glides through. He's not He's not exciting, but I think he's underrated, to your point
4: awesome all right i'm gonna go cry now because i feel like you kind of shit all over him and that's
3: (laughs) uh, i'll I'll tell you this much matt anyone that's you know followed me for any bit of time and you know whatever i'm always honest because i think you need to be i know yeah i
4: appreciate that i I do appreciate that
3: yeah people and and when they watch the, the nerds film stuff like nick's always so negative i'm like i'm a coach man like if you do you know what we're like in our film we're like this is just how it is
4: all right, let's talk about this 2020 rookie class. Uh, you, as you talked about, you had the graduate. You, you just put that out here. It uh, focuses mainly on that. So I want to talk about this. As you mentioned, you scouted these guys. I didn't even know the high school part of it, which makes it even better. I knew you scouted them all through college. Who is one of the guys that you have as a sleeper that you don't think is getting enough love here in this 2020 class?
3: Yeah. So and and I you know put all this stuff out and then they get drafted. And you're like, ah man, you know, like now they're getting hyped. So one of those guys would be Keyshawn Vaughn. I had Keyshawn Vaughn ahead of Cam Akers prior to the season starting. And I think it was prior to the season starting, but even, even before the draft. And so, um, you know, I was high on him and McFarland, et cetera. And, you know, now everyone's kind of on their hype trains. So I'm going to pick a guy that was a second-round pick that they're not talking enough about. I think is Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson, I think, has uh, a really good game. And I think he could help out right away. You know, Brandon Cooks is not there anymore. Cooper Cup's a free agent after this season. Robert Woods is a free agent after next season. So, excuse me, you have um, an opportunity there. And then when you look at the post-draft press conference, which I think is always, that's another data point people don't look enough at. What are the coaches and GM saying? Because they'll tell you some insights. And McVeigh loved his route running. He's like, he's already an NFL route runner. He's a veteran route runner. And when I watched film, he is. He wins in so many ways with his routes and gets separation, which is the big thing right now in the NFL. People don't want the six, four, six, five guys that can win jump balls. They don't throw those. They throw separation, you know, is, is the big calling card. And he does that well. He did it well in Ole Miss. He did it well at Florida, but Ole Miss, he's behind DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Some pretty big right. guys, we can say, you know, yeah. Dawson Knox is there too at tight end. So um I think he's a guy that just got overshadowed and and people didn't look enough at him. His his dad's an NFL, former NFL player and he's an NFL coach right now as a wide receiver coach, Sean Jefferson. So um, you know, he's got the pedigree. And I think, you know, in an offense where guys can benefit and be fantasy assets, I think he's a guy that's underrated.
2: So is Jefferson, is he more of a threat? I, I get threat might not be the right word. Is he more in line to maybe take over for Cooper Cup? when if cup moves on after his contract expires, or is he going to step in and step over Josh Reynolds and take that, that position?
3: Yes. (laughs) I always love saying that when it's, it's the, it's both. I I think it's both. I think he's a better talent right now than Josh Reynolds is. And I think he's a better uh, used in the slot to take over for cup after he leaves. So I think even this year, I don't know. He can for sure overtake reynolds but i think he could this year um and i think for sure next year if cup leaves and again think of that team that team is so bad with the salary cap right now so bad you think they're going to shell out 15 to 20 million for cup i don't see it they're gonna want to well and and they do make questionable cap decisions so i mean i mean they they still have ramsey on the books you know in that contract i mean i don't know
2: so we we've got jefferson that came in the son of a um former NFL player. And then we also have Michael Pittman that came in, also the son of a former NFL player. And their games are very different. And it seems like Pittman has become the darling. Do you think that is warranted? Do you think that because Pittman's dad was a running back instead of a wide receiver, did that did, did that help maybe push Jefferson past him uh, in, in the NFL? I don't know. Uh, how how do they compare as pedigreed players?
3: Right, right. Um, and, and you know it's funny. I mean, uh, my Dev Report people looking at rankings. Uh, Pittman was a guy I was so high on out of high school. I think he, I had him in my top five in his class. Uh, I don't. Maybe it might not have been the year after out of high school. It Might have been his redshirt year. I like look back. I was like, oh, I missed on him. He he's got he's got everything. And then, you know, his, his career at USC, nothing, nothing, nothing. Crazy good senior year, you know? And I was like, oh, man, like, I, you know, I was kind of right. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think the pedigree just means that you, you have maybe a leg up on everybody else because you know what to expect for the NFL. You're, I you mean, obviously genetics is part of that. But also you have somebody you can ask all the time. Hey, dad. What should I do for this? What should I train? You know, what do I expect for this? That's college and that's NFL. Um, but I don't think position-wise it matters as much. I, I like that Jefferson's dad can tell him more about wide receiver traits and coaching him up a little bit more. But I'm a huge Pittman fan. I mean, uh, I would I, I Pittman, I think, five or six before the draft, something like that. Um, and he just runs routes in ways big guys shouldn't run routes. And I talked earlier about guys being big and winning jump balls. And that's not the NFL anymore, but Pittman wins in the small guy way too, which is what I really like. And he's versatile. And after the reception, he's just, he, he's aggressive for a big guy. That, that's why I loved Sutton. You know, that, that's why right. I like Pittman, you know, when you can do flexible things that six, four guys shouldn't do and you're aggressive after the reception, you, you have more value in fantasy.
2: Right on. I I'm I'm a big fan of Pittman. I think Jefferson was just more off my radar. Um, and I'm always late to the game on guys who profile as slot players. It's just, just my nature. I'm team big wide receiver and I, <laughs> I I I keep trying to break that habit by drafting, you know, Hunter Renfro's and stuff like that. But
3: we'll get Jalen Waddle next year. There's a Debbie right guy on. for you.
2: Okay. I'm not in Debbie yet. I'm still holding off on that. Salary cap league is up next for me.
4: So with the NFL drafts coming and going, how did that uh, that affect your rankings at all? Were there any players that jumped up or dropped down a tier in your rankings based on the draft?
3: Yeah, and again, that's just another data point. You know, like if the combine, if you know, remember last year Elijah Holyfield, and you're like, oh boy, you know, like (laughs) I mean, and I don't care a lot about the combine. But basically, it's just if guys completely fall off the radar, it's like, OK, I need to move them down. It's the same thing with NFL draft. I mean, you know, I was not an A.J. Dillon fan or Chase Claypool fan, but the NFL thought more of them in draft capital means opportunity. That's what it means. And so I, I move them on my rankings a little bit, even though I'm not crazy good fans of them. Excuse me. Um, Denzel Mims was pre-draft wide receiver three for me, I think. And now I moved him down to like six just because he fell a bit further than I thought. But nothing big there. I think the big guys that moved down were, you know, Benjamin and Tyler Johnson. They both fell further, further than anyone else thought. Although I think both have an opportunity. But I think it's a less of an opportunity than other players. And that's how fantasy works. And, you know, you need to reflect that. And if you don't, you just talked about the bias, Dennis. I think bias is one of the most important things we don't talk about. And it's the one thing that can really be a detriment to people's fantasy teams and also with my ranking. So like with me, I, I mean, people buy my product. I, I want them to do well. And I can't say, well, I like this guy and I'm not going to move him down no matter what. Like, I, I just can't do that when there's draft capital staring at me, about what a team says and their future and their money and in their investment.
2: Yeah. Uh, acknowledging my bias and talking about it is kind of how I'm trying to work through that.
3: Well, I'm a counselor too, Dennis. So yeah. here we are. We're, we're having a so- session. Right is trying to have
4: his cake and eat it too. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Let's see here. What else have we got going on for us? So, did uh oh, I already asked you that question. Who is someone that you think is overhyped? I know you actually mentioned a couple players earlier, but who's someone that's getting drafted way too high in your opinion?
3: Cam Akers. Um, and this is this is a guy that and and I know there's people that that don't like me on Twitter because I will anti kmakers anything that I see. But again, I think that people that you know is people that invest money in the products that I have. People that follow me on Twitter, they follow me for a reason. They they want to hear what I have to say. And I think it's I'm trying to help out their teams. Um, and uh, there's there, the last three years, there's been one running back I've been anti so much. Last year, David Montgomery you before is Darius, <laughs> Darius Geis. This year it's Cam Akers. And, you know, I'm of not always. Of course, Montgomery
1: perfect. ends up on your actual NFL team. <laughs>
3: like, so here, here's a story about that, Matt. So, um, you know, I've always loved the NFL draft, as I said earlier. And um, my dad, me and my dad, it was always our thing. We would always just watch, we would watch every pick too. We just, we had our TV stands out and just, you know, our cardboard table. We're just making all our picks and we would have games of like who would get the most right in our mock draft. Before picks and all that kind of stuff, and so I'm like, "Hey, Dad, why don't you come over watch the draft?" You know, at my place. And he came over, and my mom and we're watching it. And before the pick happened, I'm like, "Dad, just anybody but David Montgomery," and they take him. And I'm so angry that my mom's like, "Okay, I think we need to leave." My mom. So, if if you want
1: to see. The contemporary version of that, just go back and watch the video of Matt when the Browns
4: picked. Uh, uh-huh. w- up and and I, I've, I've come around to it. I've come around to it. I'm, I'm not as upset about that pick anymore. What, what pick? Uh, when the Browns took Jedrick Wills with their first pick. I wanted uh-huh. him to take uh, – man, I can't even remember his name now as it doesn't matter. But uh, uh, there was another offensive We're lineman f- that I was you – know, yeah, worfs. I was wanting them to take worfs over Jedrick Wills, but I've come around to it. Joe Thomas knows uh, – probably has forgotten more about being an offensive tackle than I will ever know in my entire life, and he seems to be very excited about the pick and has talked that guy up. So I'm going to trust that man and what he says about him. So I, I've changed my tune on that.
3: I, I like the pick, actually. But, I mean but, – but, sorry, digressing back, um, there's one reason why I think Cam Akers is overhyped right now, and then I'll get into some of the other stuff, but um, – you know, I, I mentioned Geis, who, I th- who was a Debbie Darling and was supposed to be this guy, 1A, 1B with Barkley, and I didn't see it, and the combine proved he wasn't the athlete Barkley was. And the NFL, many teams, Kerryon Johnson, Chubb, uh, Michelle, et cetera, they said, hey, we want another running back instead of him continually, and the community didn't follow along because of bias. They're like, I love Geis. He was supposed to be this, and they drafted him high. And it hurt him. Same thing with Montgomery. Debbie Darling, he's supposed to be this. Didn't check the boxes of the combine, etc. cetera. Um, and Nikhil Harry, I think last year was another one. He's supposed to be this superstar. Not there. Akers is a better athlete than uh, Montgomery. About on par, I think, with Geis. Might be a little bit better of an athlete. But he's the guy that was always supposed to be this great guy. And I don't think people could get over it. Um, could he be okay? Sure. He could be solid. Um, you can catch the ball. He's strong. You know, in a straight line, he's fast. He can make some guys miss at times, but he's not a running back. He's an athlete playing running back. He doesn't have a good approach to line of scrimmage. He doesn't understand anticipating holes. He doesn't always move to make guys miss or take on half of a defender as much as he should. Um, he wastes steps. Uh, and those are all things that cost you more in the NFL than in college. And in college, it did. I know people will go up and down about the offensive line at Florida State. But let me ask you guys this. What was the thing people were defending about David Montgomery at Iowa State?
4: I, I have no idea. Dennis, like, you were the they big say oh, had a good bad good offensive, offensive line. Defense.
3: Yeah. That offensive yeah. line, you. Gotcha. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, he would have been better, but his offensive line. He yeah. didn't do good against Drake. I mean, (laughs) Drake's an FCS school. and he's um, a terrible rapper too. So So, I I just think Akers is overhyped because of what people thought he was going to be. And he's going to a bad situation. They they don't have a good offensive line. And Henderson's there. And I just think, you know, always the new thing's always going to be better. I just think it's going to be a messy committee for a guy that's raw. If he needed to go anywhere, he needed to go to like the Colts, a really good old line. He doesn't have to make a lot of decisions, and he can just kind of freelance his af- athlete, athletic way to a you know a solid career. But to me, he's kind of like Christine Michael. He'll try and overpower guys, try and out athlete people. But you need more than that, and you know it's too bad people- the
1: XFL folded. <laughs> you're really describing, you're really describing a quintessential XFL back. <laughs> All I can think is when you use the word solid, you know. That's what you like to hear when people are describing your table, the foundation of your house, not your fantasy team.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I think I had him. uh, He's like my thirteenth-rated rookie asset right now. I mean, and that, and doesn't mean I hate him, but I just think he's valued inappropriately right now.
1: Well, people are taking him second or third pick off
3: the board. Gives me other guys. I'm okay with it.
4: Yeah. Well, I wish I would have known that you hated Nikhil Harry so much last year because I feel like I was one of the only people screaming on the top of the mountain that Nikhil Harry was overrated, and I was called a fool by many people. Matt, you weren't on with this last year, but many people last year. For, but a lot for of
1: people, Nikhil I think, Harry. really boosted him up because they thought going to the Patriots he was to the be Pats. the golden ticket.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Well, I, I, I'll, I'll send you a link. I have, I have some video clips, Matt. I'll send you some after.
2: Oh,
4: I can't wait send them because I'll retweet them at everybody who was coming at me last year about that stuff because I I just wasn't sold on him. But Dennis, you mm-hmm. were about to say something. What what you got?
2: I uh, I don't think I was.
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> My bad. Never mind then.
2: <laughs> all right. So
4: quarterbacks. Matter of fact, uh, no. Never mind. I'm thinking of uh, Easton Sick, not Jake and Jacob Easton. So we got Jalen Hurts, Jacob Easton, Jordan Love, who may have a whole bunch of value here now, all of a sudden, and Jake Fromm, who were all drafted to currently be backups. Which of those do you think could be relevant within the next two two years, and then which do you think could be a top twelve fantasy quarterback if they were being able to, or if they were able to get a starting job?
3: Man, that's such a loaded question. Um, relevant within two years, none. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, to me, relevance starting in fantasy. Yeah. I don't think any. Um, Jordan Love's pretty raw. Um, he. Didn't have a lot of guys coming back. It was a new offense last year at Utah State, but he made a, b- a lot of bad throws. He, it's 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 like he makes his read and just throws it and pretends the defense isn't there. Yeah, it's you can't do that, and that's why he just threw right at defenders, and a lot of guys jumped him a lot, and that's not something that you want when you invest a in first round pick in a guy. Now again, I've invested in him in some super flex leagues as a long term investment because I think it's a good value, but I just think people getting excited about him is going to be tough right now. Um out of the rest of that group, Jalen Hurts. I don't get it. I I still don't. I mean, they're gonna I'm with he, you. <laughs> I mean, they're just gonna try and Taysom Hill it, I think, is maybe what they're doing there. But but Jalen God's Hurts gift
1: to quarterback Taysom Hill. Oh,
3: yeah,
4: yeah. Taysom Hill fan right here.
3: Yeah, he's he's um hurts. I wanted to like him so much, and then the film just wasn't there. He after his first read isn't there, he he is a tough tough job processing information. And when I talked about earlier with KJ Costello, processing information is the number one thing for a quarterback. It's everything, you know, blitz recognition, pre-snap or pre-snap and post-snap movement, like all of those things you have to do that quickly and then make the good read. And Hertz struggled with that. If his first guy was open, he's fine. But then processing everything afterwards, it wasn't okay. And so I, I struggle to see him doing well, even with the round two draft capital. Um, out of that group, the rest of them, maybe Jacob Eason. You know, I know he's got a strong arm. I don't love the rest of his game, but Rivers is there one or two years. It's a good yeah. setup there with Taylor in that line. Maybe after and Pittman. After that, maybe he can be the guy.
2: Yeah, so, I don't get the Hurts love at all. I'm yeah. I I, I watch people. I, he's one of these guys. I, I'll have Fromm on a team before I have Hurts.
3: <laughs> See, I liked Fromm pre-draft, and then the NFL didn't agree with me, so moved them down. Right. You know?
2: Well, what
4: did you like about From? Because I was—I think he's—I don't even know who, who to compare him to. I don't hate From. What
1: loaded question?
4: <laughs> I don't think he's a—he's very accurate. He—I guess you could almost call him the game manager, and that would—I guess everybody kind of clarifies as those quarterbacks. Like he's—he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he can get the ball places. He—he's very smart. He seems to be a very capable quarterback. He just doesn't have the arm, in, in my opinion. I don't think that's going to end up allowing him to win games at the NFL level.
3: Well, and I think you're, you're kind of answering your question there. I, I think a lot of times people worry too much about the arm and okay. not about the rest of the rest of the stuff's more important than the arm. In my opinion. Now, you know, you have to have enough of an arm to complete it, but you look at Deshaun, Deshaun Watson doesn't have a crazy good arm. He's got everything else. You know, right. I think, I think from is like Andy Dalton. I think that he makes good reads. He goes from one to two really well. He knows where his check downs are. He can run an offense pretty well. Um, I don't think he's a superstar, but I think he could be a low on NFL starter if he needed to be.
4: So I was going to ask you on Jalen Hurts, cause I'm with Dennis as well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of him either. Uh, I was, I was really interested to see what you said on him because a lot of people are comparing him to taste Hill, but I don't even, I don't think he has Hills explosiveness. So how are the Eagles going to use him? Because he he's a okay runner, but I I think he's more of a bruiser than he is at Taysom Hill can make people miss. Taysom Hill can mm-hmm. catch the ball. I don't think I don't I've never seen Hurts catch the ball. I don't know if he's really as I guess an all-in-package like Taysom Hill is. So what can Hertz actually do for the Philadelphia Eagles?
3: Yeah, and I think Taysom Hill's be better on special teams than Hertz too. Yeah. But but I think what it is 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 you get a guy Kind of like Edelman, right? Where Edelman sometimes out of nowhere will catch a bubble screen and then throw it because it was behind the line. You have yeah. just another element that defenses have to prepare for. And, and so many times we look at these picks and we think of, hey, this guy, what he's going to be for fantasy football. NFL teams want a guy that can make a difference on their team, change their offense. That's why these fast guys like Henry Ruggs get drafted so high because it changes the offense, not that they're going to get the most receptions out of every receiver in this rookie class. And so – You know, you have hurts on the field. Okay. Think of it. You're a defensive coordinator. Okay. You have two quarterbacks on the field. Oh boy. Hold on. Okay. Where's he, you know, you're thinking more than you're reacting and you're playing. That's exactly what you want on defenses.
4: I'm going to leave Akers off of this question now that I know how you feel about him. Taylor's Dobbins, <laughs> uh, Edwards, Hilaire, and Swift were, were the top RBs RV, in the draft this year. They're the guys that everybody's drafting. Obviously Akers is up there, but I know he's not going to, well, he might be in the back half of this question for you. Who do you think finishes as, as the RB one of this class? Cause I mean, CEH great landing spot. Uh, I think Swift landed in a, in a good spot, at least for the workload, Taylor, I think, landed in the best spot, obviously. Dobbins, I love. I don't know if he's got that great year coming this year, but he definitely, I think, is going to be a huge fantasy asset moving forward. Who has the chance to be the best RB just this year, year one?
3: Uh, year one? Um, yeah. I'm going to go Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because the Colts, it's a great landing spot, don't get me wrong. you know. And I think we all love watching Quentin Nelson just bury people right. you know, that old line of that offense. But they drafted Pittman first. They had the opportunity to take Taylor there and they decided not to. And they had the risk of not getting Taylor on their team and then traded up and, and got him. And I think that's telling, you know, because if, if you if you absolutely love a guy, he's gonna be the center of your offense, you're gonna give him so many touches and so many carries. You would drafted him first and, and had the risk of not getting Michael Pittman. And so for me, that's a little telling. And now again, I like Taylor, he's my RB2. But I think drafting Hilaire in round one, like the Chiefs did, he's going to get so many goal line touches. He's going to get so many receptions there as a weapon. I think that he's going to be the top back this year.
2: Yeah, I I like Hilaire's opportunity this year. But the number of backs that they have there, and is is Andy Reid – are we going to buy into the first-round draft capital? You you seem like you're a draft capital guy. So first-round draft capital – no worries about Damian Williams or any of those other Jags there in uh, Kansas City?
3: Well, I'm glad you didn't say Darwin Thompson because I was anti all of that last year. Um,
2: He's
1: a big DeAndre Washington stan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, but here's the, here's the other part of this, Dennis, is Clyde Edwards was in my tier one before the draft started. So he, him, Swift, and, and Taylor were all pretty much equal for me. And the draft capital was just another trump card. It's like, oh, okay. Yep. And then that makes sense. And and that's d- draft capital, that offense. And then that, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, yeah, I like Damian Williams. Um, you know, I, I liked him, I think, more than than most. Um, you know, invested in him a little bit. But I think, you know, he Edward Soler is the best back on that team pretty easily. Um, and here's the other part too. Taylor might get more touches year one. But as we know in fantasy football, receptions mean way more than carries do. They count more for yards. You know, even if Taylor gets two hundred fifty carries, you know, look at look at Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had fourteen hundred rushing yards last year, right? Right. And there were backs that got ahead of him because they had receptions, way more receptions than he did. And Edward Slayer is going to get that.
2: So hashtag two to three year window. Which guy you want for three years?
3: Um. I'm gonna say Hilaire because I Rivers. I don't know what's gonna happen with that quarterback spot, but I like Taylor the most. It, th- those two are head and shoulders above the rest. Okay.
4: Okay, so what do you think about Dobbins? Being a being a huge Buckeyes fan as I am, I'm, I feel a little slighted right now that Dobbins has not been mentioned at all. So, what are your thoughts on him?
3: Yeah, you're not gonna like what I have to say about him. I, I think Dobbins well, you is. To you
2: the,
4: off the street, you that's <laughs> why I didn't. That's <laughs> why
1: I didn't ask. <laughs> All the goodwill you earned with your acres aid is about to go out the window.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think Dobbins is overrated. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. And I think people have him up there saying that he's great. You know, look at, I mean, you know this, Matt. When you look at that offense last year, right? Dobbins make it took a huge step forward last year. But previously, right, they had an, a good quarterback. Through more touchdowns than Fields did last year. I mean, they're, they're pretty much equal. I think it was like 15 49 or 15 42, yeah. something like that. The difference was the running aspect that Justin Fields added to that offense, and, and defenses and defense events had to hesitate or go with Fields and left huge rushing lanes. You, you watch that Clemson game, people are all hyped about it. There are humongous lanes for him to run yeah. through, and he doesn't finish with power. I think that his speed is overrated, but I think he's a, you know, Good, I mean, or I want to say above average to good in almost every category, maybe except power, but I don't think he's elite at anything. And when you look at some of these other backs, I think they have more trump cards than he does. And then the other part is this. They're like, okay, well, he's in this rushing offense, right, where you can read option everything. And now look at him with the best guy in the NFL, right? But when you look at the read option, what did they do in Baltimore? They had a lot of like midline or dives where they're going in a gap. Dobbins isn't as good running between the guards as he is everywhere else. And that's Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, these, you know, big power guys. That's where they thrive. And, you know, I, I just don't know that that's going to be a huge fantasy asset. I think it was a good pick. I mean, it makes sense. He, you know, Ingram's old and Gus Edwards. I mean, you know, it's fun the Gus bust. But and then the other part to that is receptions, right? I just talked about receptions matter a lot. Dobbins, I think, has good hands. But I think they, they didn't have a pass catcher. I, I don't have the stats with me. I don't think they had a running back catch more than 25 receptions last year. No, certainly not over 30. And that's an issue. You yeah. want to look at all of the top backs, especially the elite ones. They got 60 plus. And Chubb didn't. That's why Chubb was lower. And I don't know that Dobbins can get there. There's not going to be the passing volume from Lamar. That's a long-term thing. So those are all things I think that are against it. It's not that I hate Dobbins. I think he's a little overrated in terms of what people thought of him as a prospect. And then landing spot, I'm like, I don't know what there's going to be there long-term in terms of a ceiling. I think his floor is there. He's an RB, 2 I think. Gotcha.
4: I mean, okay, I don't hate the take. I, I had uh, Ray, Ray Garvin on with uh, me last year prior to the college football season, and we talked about Dobbins. That is, I brought up exactly what you said there. I don't think that he's great at anything. I think he's good at everything, and that's what makes him <laughs> – An interesting prospect for me. I didn't quite take in everything that you were just saying with the the Baltimore uh, landing spot there. I did feel like him going in there with Lamar, as you just mentioned, and kind of doing the same option stuff that Ohio State does with Lamar being, as much as I love Justin Fields, a better athlete. So I thought it would help him out there. So what you're saying, taking him at 1-1 in a uh, 16-teamer was a bad idea.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) also also to uh, to, to back up Nick's point, uh, Mark Ingram was the leading – a receiver among backs, 29 targets, 26 receptions. Gus Bus had seven receptions on 15 targets. And uh Justice Hill had eight receptions on 15 targets.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's the other thing. They have Justice Hill too, who is supposed to be this thing. And then wasn't. I mean, he was a third round pick and we're, we're yeah. hyped with Dobbins. He's a second round pick. It's the same thing like with the Rams, you know, I mean, who knows how it's going to turn out.
2: Yeah. I, I, I wanted I wanted to believe in Hill. I actually acquired him early in the offseason. season, but uh, looking at what he does, I don't think he's better than Dobbins.
3: No, I don't either. But I mean, he could be the pass catcher there, and that that kills the that's that's the Nick Chubb thing right now with Cream Hunt there just bugging him.
2: Yeah, that's that's a crazy situation there. So let's ask you about the wide receivers. The same same question: Rager, Jefferson, Lamb, Judy, and Rugs which one is going to be the uh top wide rookie wide receiver this year?
3: Ah, uh, this year. Um I think I got to go with oh man. Okay, got to think opportunity. There's uh, only probably- one right
2: answer, isn't there, Matt?
3: <laughs>
2: CD Lamb. Oh, uh, I uh, thought you were going to say say uh uh your your boy Judy there in Denver.
1: I think he'll at best he'll be third in line for targets. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, they, I mean, when you got Melvin there, and you've got Noah Fant there. Don't even Mar-
1: mention Melvin Gordon is going to get booed every time he touches the field. Whoa! Broncos Twitter, it's I, I. You know, I hope something happens to him in training game.
3: Whoa! Really? <laughs> let's have a, let's have a talk about this. What happened?
1: I I can't do it without dropping some swear words. I do not want him. I think it was a complete waste of money. Garbage player, garbage signing,
3: garbage player,
1: garbage player. Why, who are we talking about?
3: Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Oh, why is it? Why is it garbage? I, I understand your love for Philip Lindsay. You went to Colorado, he's doing well there. It's a good story, but I mean, Melvin's a better player.
1: No, how dare you, sir? Actually, how, dare how, you. You.
3: how, how is he? How is he? Okay, and again, if, if you want to talk about efficiency numbers and all that kind of stuff. Have you, I mean, his offensive of lines have ranked in the bottom five, I think three. Oh, how many long has he been with the Chargers? All but one uh, year. It's been the bottom five.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. been Chargers all years. I relished when he played Denver and we destroyed him every week. And I, I've been watching Broncos' Twitter. There was so much hate that he is, though, that he should be grateful that much like when he played for the Chargers there won't be fans in the stadium because he wouldn't make it. Oh, wow. I, I don't, don't come in with Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I, no, that was a trash signing. Wow. I, I, I had to take my John Oway poster off my wall for a while.
3: Wow. And you know what though, this is like the most sincere you've <laughs> had. This oh. is like, this, comes, this is like, this is like me talking about, you know, the Packers, throwing a touchdown to Randall Cobb and it takes the bears out of the playoffs. If you guys remember that play, like this is like those type of moments, man, yeah, this no. is, this is deep, man. Well, you know, I do not
1: care from. I won't own a single share. I have, they, they know I have Broncos everywhere. I think I have Cortland Sutton on like 24 out of my 26 dynasty teams. Nothing would make me take Melvin Gordon. I will actively <laughs> wait for him to fail. Wow. No matter what it means for the team, I will root for him to fail.
3: (laughs) Is it just because of Lindsay?
1: And because I always thought he was a trash player that I never wanted on any of my teams.
4: Wow.
2: Especially his real life team.
1: Yeah, that you however you felt about David Montgomery getting drafted, times that by a thousand.
3: But I still want him to succeed. I just don't think he's good. Uh,
1: Well, that's the difference between you and me. We, on this podcast, we have Scottish Parkinson's. We forget everything but our grudges.
3: Yeah. That's, that's wow, man. Man, I wasn't expecting this. Okay, so I guess we'll move on from Judy, who I agree won't get a ton of targets year one. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Raker. Uh, I think the opportunity is there. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know, look at you know, targets there. It's going to be Ertz, then maybe Miles Sanders, and then... You know, maybe him. I mean, it, it's a sad story with Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, they just can't stay healthy. And, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I was never a big fan. And as we talked about earlier, the, the big receiver club there, Dennis, sorry. It's just, it's not something that gets him on the field. I don't think he's that talented either. So I think Rager could jump out, especially with a good a good offense and a good quarterback at once.
2: Yeah, I'm not an Ortega-Whiteside guy either. I do like uh, Alshon Jeffrey. I would like to see him have one last one last showing, mm-hmm. if for no other reason than two or three shares. Do you yeah. see Sean
1: McCoy <laughs> is, uh, is uh, campaigning to try to get re-signed by the Eagles?
2: Who is? Uh, McCoy. Shady. Oh. Yeah, Shady oh, is. Shady.
1: In the same interview where he said he didn't realize when he spoiled Endgame that so many people would get upset about a cartoon movie. Yeah. yeah,
3: that was that was a bad take by him. Uh, but I, I don't mind Lamb. I think that's something that people aren't, you know, thinking there. They, they they like Gallup, he's a good player. Um Cooper, good player. I think Lamb's the most talented, honestly. I don't know if that's gonna happen year one, but and they don't have a tight end threat. Sorry, Blake Jarwin people. I mean that's but Lamb's see, gonna get his target. You
1: mentioned Randall Cobb giving you Packers nightmares. I you know, last year in that kind of role as the third receiver for the Cowboys. He got 82 targets, 55 receptions, 828 yards, and three TDs. Mm-hmm. And I think we would all say that we think Lamb's a touch better. Right.
4: Just a, just a touch. Not much better. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just a touch.
3: Yeah. yeah so, go ahead.
4: No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. My question then, is too, so You go right ahead.
3: Yeah, and and then I think, you know, because I think you guys asked me earlier the, the who I think is going to be the, the worst out of that group or – or finish at at the end. Yeah, I, I think it's rugs. It's pretty easy. I think it's rugs. I think rugs is my wide receiver ten or eleven in fantasy. Like I, I, I'm not a believer, and that's based on film and then and then landing spot. It's. I mean, I think Brian Edwards is going to be the top rookie receiver out of that group.
4: That's what we've been saying. This me and this guy, right there. We go. Yeah, I got it right at that time. Me and that guy, we're big Brian Edwards guys. I. I I'm curious to ask you, because obviously you, with the coaching aspect and everything, so you probably see it from the NFL side as well. Do you think Ruggs is a good fit for them NFL-wise, though? I mean, John Gruden has come out and said that he wanted that, that Tyreek Hill-ish-like player on his team, so he does bring that dynamic to that team. I think everybody fantasy-wise jumped on it because of how early he got drafted, but that doesn't necessarily NFL-wise translate to fantasy, right? Like the saying we have in the fantasy community, it's a good NFL move, but it's not good for fantasy. Do you Could you see it working out for them NFL-wise?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's just a dynamic. I mean, we saw it with Will Fuller, right? And they have the stats to back that up where Will Fuller on the field playing gives them another touchdown per game advantage versus him not on the field. Well, that that matters. They don't care about the NFL draft. They don't care about fantasy teams. They care about winning games and producing points. And when you have a guy that runs that four or two over here, that safety over the top has to respect that. And if he doesn't, right, then they get burned. And so I think that opens things underneath for Waller and for Edwards and Jacobs. And I just think it's a good fit for a team. And and you just can't find four, two guys. I mean, four, three guys that have even decent skills hardly anywhere. And that's why they go high John Ross and Will Fuller and all these guys, I mean, Tavon Austin—that's why Tavon Austin got picked so early. He was going to be this guy that's just going to annoy defenses. It didn't work out, but we see what Tyree Kill does to a defense. That's exactly what—if they—if you get a chance that it's Tyree Kill, you take the guy.
1: Another yeah. prime example of a giant Rams contract that made no sense.
2: <laughs>
3: Which one?
1: Tavon Austin. Tavon
3: Austin. Oh, right, that's that. Uh,
1: Wasn't it for a while he was like one of the highest paid receivers in football.
3: Well, yeah. I think it's because he was top what seventh pick, I think.
4: Yeah, those first yeah. round picks they get a they get a lot of life, a lot of life. I just want to jump back on the Lindsay thing really quick. Uh, it's only because of my love for Philip Lindsay. I don't hate Melvin Gordon quite as much as Matt does. I just I, Philip Lindsay is. Dennis Nobody
2: hates him. Melvin Gordon quite as much as yeah, Matt that's does. True.
1: <laughs> the two knives in my heart were Melvin Gordon coming from the Chargers to my team and seeing Chris Harris Jr. go the other way. I was like, yeah, I, oh, I, I can drink.
0: But uh,
4: but Philip Lindsay was like one of my first ever like fantasy calls. I, I I had done a lot of watching him and everything, and I said I thought he was going to be actually a good running back in the NFL and be able to do something. So that, that's where my love for him comes from. He's one of those guys who's actually react, interacted with me a little bit on Twitter, so I, I actively root for him. Mm-hmm. So that's why I hated the Melvin Gordon signing. Uh, the stupid question I wanted to ask you: Amari Cooper, how good or really how bad is Amari Cooper at, uh, at for fantasy? He's a good Uh, NFL receiver. Fantasy wise,
3: I I just don't trust him. You know, I I think I had had one share of him and I dealt it. Well, let me tell you how how much I stole this one. This is um, uh, an industry league. I mean, it was expensive league. I mean, I I won't say the entry fee, but it was you know multiple. There's couples of zeros, you know. Anyway, Um, and um, I had the uh Cooper I dealt Cooper this is pre-draft Cooper Darrell Henderson who had more hype then and the 108 which was Debbie so we had a Debbie draft after the startup draft and I got back Clyde Edward Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor and I'm so pumped after the draft how that worked out but that's because I don't trust Cooper and and I think part of fantasy is you need to be on the field he's not on the field all the time I think he runs some really good routes and people love that stuff but it's not consistent it's not consistent when he goes up against I think some physical corners. Um, or some top competition, and I mean, we we would see that he would have these huge games, but he'd be against like Philly, and they have like trash corners, you know. And, um, and that's just not something that I want on my teams, and that's why also I don't want to have Dalvin Cook on my teams. I don't trust that he's going to be healthy. He's missed multiple games every year he's been in the NFL. He's had four shoulder issues that I know in his his football career. I, you know, yep. It worked out for some last year, but I I don't think it's going to be this, you know, great parade uh, and a first round pick and, you know, redraft this year. He's a guy I'm avoiding.
2: Sounds like you uh, subscribe to Bob Lung's consist- consistency <laughs> theory there.
3: I, I, I follow Bob, but I've never gotten that guide before. Is it good?
2: Yeah, it's it's good. It, it's uh, He's actually going to be on with us next Thursday.
3: Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I've interacted with him a little bit. I like him.
2: Yeah, so I had one share of uh, Cooper and I traded it, uh, gosh, what's it been? Uh, in November, 16 team, start nine IDP, so very deep, two tight ends, super flex. I traded Amari Cooper, Philip Lindsay, and Mohamed Sanu, and I got back Devin Singletary, Justice Hill, Michael Gallup, a 21st and a 2021 first.
3: Who'd you get with that first?
2: Who did I get? Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. It was a 113.
3: Yeah, I think you're fine. Because, I mean, you think yeah. of Gallup Gallup's, uh, you know, a tier down. But then you get Vaughn, who I'm a big fan of uh, from film prior to his landing spot. So
2: yeah. yeah, you'll you'll hate that I traded. I did trade up uh, to 109 uh, and take Cam Akers.
3: <laughs> Dennis I thought I thought we were close man
2: so actually even better in that same league as I'm I had the 201 I'm getting ready to pick and a guy messages me and says hey I'll trade you Le'Veon Bell and KJ Wright for the 201 now I know Bell doesn't have a ton of time left mm-hmm. uh, but I could really use the depth he ended up taking I, I took the deal uh, mm-hmm. and gave him the 201 and 506, and he took Henry Ruggs.
3: Oh, that's a win.
2: Well, I'm just
4: glad that we had somebody else on here that agrees with me that Amari Cooper is just not that good, and that, that's all I wanted. That was that was what I was hoping you were gonna say. I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I was probably gonna have to go cry again had you agreed that Amari Cooper was good because it's a constant battle I have on this podcast. Uh, I've got two guys here and others that jump on here all the time and just praise Amari Cooper because he's God's gift to football and fantasy football apparently, and I just disagree with it. So right. I mean, I, 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 don't
3: I don't think he's. I don't promise. think he's elite i don't think he's bad but he's just this area that
4: i agree with you i I say he's good he's not great he's not elite he's not even i don't even i think he's the third best wide receiver on the cowboys i take lamb and Gallup over him but i get hated on all the time for saying that he's like a top 18 15 18 wide receiver and i'm I'm a thing for saying i
3: think that's about right
4: so give us uh give us your hot takes here who do you think uh I know you mentioned one of them earlier, a wide receiver that you think has a chance to jump up into the elite category this year and, and a running back as well before we get out of here.
3: Oh guys to jump up. Um, Hmm. That's tough. Uh, let me think about this. I'm, I'm kind of anti this. Miles Sanders is this superstar. I know that's not exactly what you're asking me for, but I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Um, I just, he's not consistent. He's, He's a player that tries to play like Saquon Barkley and I mean, he's not Saquon Barkley. And I know he had a good end of the run season, but that's based on some receptions. So that's kind of anti that. I'm just thinking of running backs right now. Um, I mean, you want to take about some, some hot take, you know, running backs that are going to finish high. I, th- I think Hilaire is going to be an RB one. I think Taylor's going to be high in RB two. I mean, and that's, that's risk saying that, but I think that's going to happen for sure. Um,
1: Well, I mean, they were projecting pre-draft that Damian Williams could finish RB eleven. So, if you think he seeds quite a bit of that work to Mm -hmm. Edward Solaire, it's not a huge leap.
3: Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing too is, I mean, even when when Williams got healthy at the end of the year and what he did those previous seven games the year before, it was RB one numbers. That's what it was. And you know, he just got hurt, and then Shady came in, and people thought all Shady because they hated Damian Williams. Which, again, that's biased, and that's kind of the Phil Lindsay hate. It's draft capital, right? Yeah. If you're UDFA, people don't like you. And it's, you know, Aaron Foster had to battle that for years. They're, don't you guys remember that Foster broke out, and they're like, yeah, but Ben Tate, Ben Tate's better. Yeah. What are you watching, <laughs> man? Have you watched Aaron Foster play? Um, in terms of a receiver, I like Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. I okay. think people are, are missing that. Because they hate Josh Allen because apparently he stole everybody's girlfriend or something. Like, it's ridiculous. He's a
4: good-looking guy. He's a
3: good-looking guy. <laughs> but, I mean, they just want to hate him so bad to have him not succeed that they don't see that his the end of his rookie year, he made Robert Foster and Zay Jones wide receiver twos, I think, or, or maybe they were top 26 receivers for like a six-week stretch. Robert Foster and Zay Jones. Okay. I think that Stephon Diggs is a little bit better. And, and even last year, you know, you know, look at what John Cole Brown and Beasley. Cole Beasley did there. Um, and Allen is improving there. And Diggs is the best receiver he's ever going to see. Um, I think Josh Allen's underrated. I mean, he's he's like court, quarterback seven, I think, or eight last year. And, and again, that's not with Stefan Diggs. And now he has year two with Brown and with Beasley. So I think he's going to be better. But I think Diggs, I mean, Diggs is phenomenal. He might be a little bit of a diva. But he did what he did last year on 96 targets or something like that, um, and I know people are going to talk clutch about clutch. there. Yeah, oh yeah, that now that that play in the playoffs is pretty amazing. But and he's got he's got that chip on his shoulder too, and I love that 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 dog. And he wants to fight, and he's going to do whatever he can to win. Um, so I think I think he could be a a guy that we're underrating, and 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 by that I think he's probably a high end wide receiver too. Okay,
4: and you you messed up there, Matt. Captain Clutch is, is Kirk Cousins, but I'll, I'll forgive you on that. Uh, That's right.
1: of- you said what did he do last year on 96 targets, I- and I said with Captain Clutch.
4: I know your love for Cortland Sutton, so I'll leave him out of this last question here. There's three wide receivers who are young, up-and-coming guys who all finished right around the top 24 wide receivers last year. So who do you think has a chance to make that jump? Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and who is the other one I had on here? I just missed it. Son of a. I don't oh, don't DJ start. Chark. DJ Chark. No, I'll leave Sutton out. Sutton finished with them, but obviously Nick loves Sutton, so I imagine he would pick Sutton, so I want him to pick a different guy out of those three. So DJ Chark, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin. Who has a chance to take that step up even more? They finished, uh, Chark finished the highest with 16, Brown 24, McLaurin 25. So who has a chance to jump maybe into that top 15 or right around 12, if possible?
3: Yeah, everyone loves A.J. Brown, and, and A.J. Brown was my top-devi player, two years ago so i'm with you i i have him on so many teams i'm a big fan he's overrated right now that that efficiency is it cannot continue just like with and again if it does continue he has to get so much more volume to, uh, to you know to get the the regression to the mean um because it, it just can't be there even though he's a good player i think Dj shark's underrated right now i think that people forget he got hurt before he got hurt he was like wide receiver like eight <laughs> like and he has his quarterback garter Minshew, who was you know getting him the rock there um i just think people are forgetting about him i think that he's a guy that's underrated and can do it even though i, I like mclaurin too um i did just trade him though what did, i just traded him in the 107 for the 103 and will fuller just because i needed a, a top back but um i, I like all of those guys but if I had to gamble with one who I think has the best value jump, which I think that's our game, right? It's a stock market game. Yeah. I think right. you can get Shark the cheapest, and I think he, he can get you the most gain on the jump in their stats this year.
4: All right. I like it. Well, Nick, thank you so much for jumping on with us and, and spending all this time talking rookies and devies. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter and plug your your championship bundle, the graduate, uh, the uh, the devy report, your your dynasty startup stuff. Let everybody know where they can go find all that.
3: Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. This has been a lot of fun, even with the Melvin Gordon talk. <laughs> um, so I'm at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. I'd like to think I interact with people as much as I can um, on there. Uh, I'll always talk some ball. Um, in terms of, you know, Dynasty Nerds, every Wednesday we got that going on. Um, and if you look at my profile on Twitter, that's where you can find some of my, my work. I'm also at too. Uh, I just don't have a lot of articles coming out of there. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, this championship bundle. So yeah, if you look at my, it's, I think I have it, um, uh, what do you call it? Tagged or whatever within my, my profile on Twitter. So it will be the top one that comes up. But, um, yeah, so the, the graduates is already out. So people can get that right now. That's 118 pages just on this class, 62 player profiles. Um, and then this month I'll be releasing out the dynasty startup. That'll be in there too. And then after all that's done, now I can get into all the Debbie. So I've been to get into some of that too just because i love it and that uh, hopefully i'm going to release this summer so and, and if you're wondering why it takes so much time i'm a one man with a full-time job okay and I'm, I'm trying to do other things instead of stare at my computer for you know 2,000 hours straight so that's why it takes a little bit of time to do all that
2: look like, nick think we're all busy way. okay <laughs> Well,
4: again, Nick, we really appreciate you jumping on and spending time with us, guys. Go, go get the championship bundle. It's well worth your time and money. It's going to help you guys out a lot, not just in in your rookie drafts if you haven't done them yet, but as Matt here joined New Debbie Leagues when that Debbie report comes out and, and all the Dynasty startup stuff, as he mentioned, the, the strategies and everything that go into it. If, if you're new to the Dynasty game, it could really help you guys out. So, Nick, again, thank you so much for jumping on with us and everybody else. We will talk to you guys on Monday.
2: Right on.
0: Prepare for glory. I don't know if You got your pop on ready. You got your pop on ready. I came out the whole wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. one up above his head, they can't jump with me, Godly. Oh, they tackle him for forty yards. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>